Welcome to Revere Asset Management's Your Money with Danny Stewart. The market will always overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And Don Vandenborg. Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep. Is 2024 the year of living dangerously? And is the banking crisis over in the U.S.? If not, why did the Fed remove the statement, the banking system, the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient from their last FOMC meeting? See, they had that statement in there, and then now we removed it. And remember, uh, New York Bank just it had a big blow up, and there's some a few banks that are kind of in trouble on the ropes. But, but first, I have a question for you. We've been talking about this recently, diversification, the double-edged sword. So you kind of get an average on the way up. They kind of go up together at different rates, and some things are going down while other things are going up, so that you kind of get an average. But when they go down, all the correlations grow together, and they all go down together, albeit different rates. Now, here's the real problem right now in this current environment. The markets are very narrow with only large cap stocks, the Magnificent Seven and others, but large caps, a couple big tech stocks that are actually carrying the markets and creating the S&P and NASDAQ gains. If you take those stocks out, we're not doing well. Okay, International and emerging markets, they're bad. They're terrible. They have been for years and they're still bad. You shouldn't have any money there. Small and mid-cap have been down, negative, losing money. Now, just now, they're starting to warm up and heat up, but not like the bigs have been. Now, if the small cap do warm up, that's a very bullish sign. But for right now, there's really only a few areas, few sectors to be, and the rest of it is doing poorly. So if you have an asset allocation pie chart and you're not seeing any growth this year or especially since November, it started, the smart market really started to rally and pick up at the beginning of November last year. You're not seeing any growth. There's a problem. Folks, the market's been up double digits since November. It's up strong. And if you're only up 3 4%, that's because you've got international emerging markets. You've got all these other things. I'm not saying you don't need some diversification. You need enough positions so that one or two positions doesn't cream you. But you don't want to be everything. You don't want to touch all the water. Some of the water's polluted. Okay, It needs a treatment. Okay, That sounds like a bad plan. If you're going to average up and then write it all down together. That sounds to me like a bad plan. So the question I have for you is, is that your plan? Is that your plan? Because if that's your plan, I'd go look since the beginning of January or even since November, December last year and see how you're faring, see what you're doing. You don't necessarily have to be right in line with the S&P and you probably shouldn't if you got a few other asset classes, other things. But you do, you do. You, you, you got to pay attention. This is a very dangerous market, okay? And a little bit further, when we get into the markets, we're going to talk about Mickey D, McDonald's versus Chipotle. Mike's going to do that. Uh, Teddy Bull is going to talk about Bitcoin. Now that they got these ETFs, for the, you can actually own Bitcoin very easily. What has the Bitcoin market been telling us? And then Connor is going to do the small caps, what I was just talking about. 
But first, I wanted to go over a couple of these topics very quick, quick drive-by. All these articles are posted on the show notes, so you can read them if you so choose. Now, the banking crisis may not be over. And he's talking about this, that the $260 million loss uh, with uh, the New York Signature Bank uh, and all these losses. And by the way, they were the ones that were actually, um, um, New York Bank is the one that had to take on the losses from Signature Bank when that blew up. The Fed kind of forced that merger. And now this New York Bank is not able to, to absorb those losses. They're having troubles. Um, in any event, what this article also talks about is how that the big seven are at 10 times revenue, which is a pretty lofty, it's like a PE, but it's just based on revenue. And that's a very uh, lofty uh, prices. Those prices are very high. But he's basically saying, look, if you take out federal spending and you take out the big seven, we're negative. We're in a recession right now. Most companies are struggling and they're not doing well. You've got a very select few that are doing well. So again, that's why I ask you, what's in your portfolio? I was going to say, what's in your wallet? Reminds me of that. Okay, now, one last thing, because I just saw this tweet and it just tied into it perfectly. This is by Unusual Whales, and he always, always posts these funny things. The Magnificent Seven stocks now have a larger market cap than any any country's stock market except for the U.S. Think about that. Those seven stocks are bigger than all the stocks in China, Alibaba, all of them. It's bigger than all of the uh, equities in anywhere. That's, that's, that's saying something. Now, so that's that article you can read. And then the, the year of living dangerously, and this is kind of a takeoff on, on a movie that was an old movie title years ago. And it was talking about geopolitical. Uh, it was kind of a, a suspense film, but he's talking about here about the U.S. economy defying inflation uh, 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 and this, uh, but the, our economy has been extremely resilient, even with all these recession forecasts, even in the midst of all this uh, geopolitical stuff. And now we've, you know, you had Pakistan, uh, Iran bombing Pakistan, Pakistan bombing Iran. It's not just the Middle East. And now just this morning, we look at Venezuela is actually amassing troops on Ghana's border because they're looking at those oil reserves they just discovered. But you've got the Middle East, you've got the Ukraine. And he's saying that, that the geopolitical tensions right now have never been so high and our markets don't seem to be pricing in that, that we're looking for a, a nice recovery and a perfect landing. And then he also talks about the our economy with the interest rates and how, yes, it's true that many retirees are faring well or even better with higher interest rates, but young Americans aren't. And then he talks about the rollover in debt. So basically he's talking about the headwinds in lieu of of, of all this cheerleading about how strong the economy is. It's strong in a few select areas and everywhere else it's weak. So what are you going to do with that? Because something's going to have to give here. It is not sustainable. I, I sound like a broken record. Market keeps going higher. You've got a very select narrow market with a few sectors and a few stocks going up. And they're so big that they're carrying the rest of the market with them, the larger cap. 
but all the rest of the markets all over the world and even our small and mids are not doing well. That's not sustainable. Two things have to happen. Either the rest of the market starts catching up and starts rallying and it spreads. It becomes more breadth. It becomes more uh, uniform. Or the big seven finally give up the ghost and they sell off. In any event, that's really what we're going to talk about today because that's really what you need to care about and what you should care about because it's your money. All right. Now, I'm trying to work in that your money every show. I, I hope you caught that. All right. I'm going to go to the mailbag first uh, because that will kind of tie in to the markets. And then I'll let Don and the team uh, decide how they want to go. I'm going to do, do this, I think, Don, in reverse order. We got an email uh, from uh, KC this morning on uh, 2-9. Uh, good morning. Amazon AMZN, ticker AMZN, looks, looks to have formed a nice tight flag after earnings Thoughts. Thank you. Me. Since it's today and I caught in time for the mailbag, we will discuss on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Happy Friday. Now, folks, this is a true stock nerd. Uh, Don, you want to hit Amazon real quick and then I'll come back to your other other mailbag? Uh, sure. Okay. And uh, it is breaking out. Here's the gap up on earnings. We'll flag line there and uh popped out absolutely today um and this is indicative of what's going on with the overall market there are a lot just a a lot of i'm not gonna say a handful because it's way more than that uh probably 20 30 stocks really carrying the water uh, amazon's one of them big breakout above average volume you couldn't ask for better than this um, and if you go on a monthly chart of Amazon, it's got room to run. It's right into it. It's not at all time highs and screaming away the way NVIDIA is. If you take a look uh, here, it's right into this big uh, area of digestion that we had back in 2020, 2021. So um, Amazon looks good. You can see, you note uh, the fact that it's not running away like that relative strength over the long term is lagging a bit, but it uh, doesn't mean it can't catch up and it's not a reason uh, not to get into it because the more recent relative strength line is can just move higher. Yeah, so that stock looks good. And by the way, folks, when I talked uh, talk about a very uh, narrow market, Don's right, there are uh, a, a, a number of stocks going up. I, when, but when you talk about the big seven or, you know, whatever, eight or 10 stocks, they are so big market cap that they really have a magnified effect on the market. So yeah, you can find some some other stocks, uh, uh, and especially if they're in the mid cap or smaller large cap range, and you might e even be able to get some more juice on that. All right. Now, this one, this is from LW, and it says, uh, uh, Don, I know price is truth and breadth is very narrow. Does this article have any merit? This is the article. The stock market just did something for the first time. It, it hasn't done since um, the day after Black Monday, 1987. Uh, and it's a sign that the rally is unsustainable the, and it's not quote, ideal. This is according to former, uh, to top economist David Rosenberg. Now, on Friday, the number of market losers was more than twice the number of winners, and that was on an up day, um, and, and, and an up day, but you had twice as many 
stocks going down. That leads, you know, that leads credence to what I was talking about. A couple big ones, even though their their market cap's a lot higher, so they they can actually absorb many more stocks going down. So the absolute number of stocks isn't quite the key to what the actual index is doing. That's what people miss because they're market cap weighted. So the biggest company and the biggest three or four or 10 companies in the S&P really caused the movement in the S&P. The bottom 100 don't even make it. It's like a, a flea on a dog. It just doesn't matter. All right. And these extremely low levels of stock participation is a cause for skepticism. Don, the market is always chock full of the last time this happened situations. They are all secondary indicators, something to take note, but not necessarily something to act on. Two markets are never alike. They are always there. There are always different geopolitical and economic situations. And more importantly, different reasons why certain stocks are leading. Uh, that reason right now would be AI. Um, we monitor all of them and take appropriate action based on the rules of the Grotection system, both offensively and defensively. So, Don, with that, I'm going to turn you loose and let you uh, comment on that any uh, more than your answer, if you'd like, and then go into the markets and tell us what you're seeing. Go to the, the team. Sure. A couple things. First of all, here's the, here's the Fed uh, last Wednesday. Day, or when Jerome Powell said the March cuts were off the table, the initial reaction was down. Uh, we, but then Thursday and Friday we had a very strong rally to new highs. A little bit of a pullback on Monday and consolidated Tuesday. This is, I mean, really, this is just a, a flag. You see it all the time. You got the flagpole. Here's the flag that's just consolidating for a move. Either the move up is going to fail or the move up is going to continue. And then here we have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's action. And Friday's action includes a move above 5,000. Like I said, there are, last time this happened, people publish articles like that every day in the market, but it's what's actually happening right now in, in a volume and price, and mainly price. Uh, and we're just continuing to grind higher. Yeah, I, I know the breadth isn't quite there. Uh, and that's mostly because small caps are lagging, uh, but we just keep working on our way higher. So um, the, the bears are running out of things to say, and probably time all the bears turn bullish is probably when the market will top. But for <laughs> now, I've been, say, I've been saying this in the videos, you know, a wave started on November 1st with a follow-through day. And just like any surfer, you get on the wave, you don't know how long or how strong it's going to be, but this has been a long, strong rally, only one touch of the 21-day moving average during this three-month process, and uh, we're just uh, going to ride it higher. We um, are doing a combination of offensive and defensive selling when some things get too far extended, like today CrowdStrike got four ATR extended from its 21-day uh, moving average, and we trim a little bit of that off. If some things start to show weakness, we uh, get those out of the portfolio, understanding that not even in a bull market are, is everything going to work. But uh, it's just a combination of <clears throat> those types of things that are part of our time-tested rules that um, that work in markets. Don, I'll, I'll go add you one on. Yeah, Don, real quick, I, I'll go you one more, and I, I agree with exactly what you said, but it's a little worse than that because some of these, a lot of these people, you know, if you've got a, a pie chart that has large and small 
in the U.S., you're you're okay. You still made a little bit of money, but a lot of these people, we've looked at four different portfolios. We were doing an analysis in January, and they had a bunch of international developed countries and emerging markets, too. They didn't make any money in January. They were actually negative. And that's because the emerging markets and the international stuff, about 20% of their portfolio, 25, dragged them down. And they had small cap they lost money on. And that, so they actually are not even getting ahead because they have too much diversification. All right, sorry, Don, I didn't, I just want to clarify that. Yeah, I mean, we call, we always call diversification in the un, underperforming sectors diversification. So there's, uh, it, the pie chart allocators, they just do that and they rebalance come hell or high water and they're going to tell you that in the past this happened, in the past this happened. But um, that's that's why we invest over multiple time frames and every chart that we evaluate is across three time frames, short term, medium term, long term. It's the long term underperformance that you see that can really dig into your uh, overall returns on your portfolio. And that's uh, it's just not what we do. We our primary focus is diversification among sectors, sectors that are uh, acting well. Sometimes that's very thin also. Tech has been dominating very clearly, but it, not just tech. We've had restaurants uh, doing well. We've had home builders doing well, uh, select retailers doing well. Uh, and then in tech, it's been split over software and semiconductors, as well as the big seven names. And, um, you know, go... Les Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky, hockey great, used to say, "Skate to where the puck's going," and that's that's what we're doing. Is uh, you know going going to where uh, where our capital is being treated best. But what I wanted to say as a follow up uh, to that email, the same gentleman uh, has been having conversations with an asset allocator, and they brought up uh, when he started asking them some questions about timing the market. They of course pulled out the you can't miss the 10 best days by timing the market or all your gains go away. But I alluded to this <clears throat> a little bit uh, last week, but this is a chart where you miss the 10 best days, you miss the 10 worst days, and if you miss the 10 best and worst days, and uh, obviously here's missing the 10 worst days, that's not uh, reasonable. Uh, here's missing the best 10 days yet proves the point that um, you will underperform if that happens, but this black line in here missing both the ten and the ten, and ten best and ten worst, and the reason why we group them together is because they typically happen in bear markets. Some of the most devastating rallies happen uh, during bear markets. Things get oversold and they just snap to the upside. You'll be down one percent. Let, let's take a typical five day. Uh, in a bear market, down a percent, down a half percent, down one and a half percent, down two percent, and then the last day you snap back three percent. It's that those three percent days that people say, "Oh, look, you can't miss that three percent day," but they won't mention the prior four days where you uh, lost five percent. So, right. you know, this is th this chart's the answer to that, and you know, you can outperform, you outperform buy and hold over the long term if you. Um, are, are able to stay out of the way of the massive drawdowns in the market and they all occur under the 200 day moving average and that's just part of our uh, process with Revere it's how we lost significantly less than the market in 2022 uh, because we obeyed that 200 day moving average and the action underneath it and again we saw vicious rallies while we were under the 200 day but we were invested light uh, we stepped some toes in during those rallies and then quickly got stopped out but 
um, one of the rallies will stick and you know that's the follow through day concept that we uh, adhere to and that's what happened on November 1st and 2nd of this last year and the market hasn't looked back since then so uh, that's again that's just part of our process yeah no that, that that's awesome and you made you 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 made a comment that I want to make sure just doesn't go on deaf ears you, you kind of just said it very quickly but in a nutshell he basically said underperforming on the upside is 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 it's it's not desirable but that's okay it's underperforming on the downside you absolutely got to avoid so it's the big drawdowns because there'll be times when you outperform the market there'll be times you underperform the market when you're fully invested you just don't want to underperform or even perform even with the market during big drawdowns and especially bear markets that's the part you got to protect because you can always make it up some other times. You will have really good, strong markets in burst and in spurts in different periods. And if you've got a big chunk of your capital intact, you can take advantage of that. Whereas if you lost 30, 35%, now you're just trying to make it back. That's different. All right, Don, go ahead. Go, go, what does what this team got? Uh, let's start off with... Um... Let's talk about Bitcoin very quickly because we got back into it earlier this week and we're going to add he's got some interesting uh, Bitcoin charts that are going to uh, shed some light on what's going on. So Tedders, you want to take it away? Yep. Yes, sir, Don. So I've been stocking Bitcoin probably for months now and I've, we've traded it um, previously with Bitto um, and then we had this. So if you bring up the first chart I have, we had a failed breakout, pretty much a news failure on the Bitcoin ETF uh, announcement approval. We broke the 50-day and the other key moving averages and broke below the base. And what I'd love to see is when everyone on Twitter starts saying Bitcoin is done for the cycle. Uh, it's a Bitcoin bear market now. And as you can see, you see that horizontal line across that is the support level of the base. We undercut it and then reclaimed. And there's a Wall Street saying that from failed moves comes fast moves. And if you go on to the next chart, it's kind of just a more forward progression of the Bitcoin price action. So we had that undercut and reversal. And we came up to this 50-day moving average and started building this little shelf. And this is pretty much just strong hands absorbing the weak hands that are potentially taking profits, uh, breaking even from before or maybe just taking profits from bottom fishing at the undercut and reversal. And that that pause enabled the 50-day, the, the 21 EMA and the 8 EMA to turn around, align in a bullish manner. So the 8 above the 21 and above the 50. And now we broke out, if you go to the third chart recently, and that day is exactly where Grow got on. And it's it's been a very nice move so far. And so that was just a quick summary of my read on the price action of the last month. I just wanted to add that if history does rhyme or repeat, historically, the Bitcoin halving is in May. And after that, usually we always make new all-time highs. Obviously, it doesn't have to repeat like prior three, four cycles, but that is my expectation. And if, if the price, the chart changes, then I'll, I will adjust. And Don and protection definitely will adjust as well. Can you give like a 25 word or less explanation of the Bitcoin happening? Essentially, 
So you have these miners, you have a lot of miners that spend a lot of energy mining Bitcoin. And when, so in, in the Bitcoin software by whoever created the uh, Bitcoin, they programmed it to have every four years. So this, so pretty much the supply of Bitcoin is cut in half in terms of how much the miners can get out of, um, out of their work in mining the Bitcoin. So essentially supply comes down to the market. Supply comes down and there's less supply coming to market, which is why people think it's a hedge against inflation. Price has pretty much been up and to the right for the last decade since Bitcoin has been founded. That's why a lot of people are bullish and that's, that's pretty much the main Bitcoin thesis. And, and one of the unique things about Bitcoin is that there's only ever, there's only a finite number that can ever be created. Mm -hmm. So uh, with a finite supply and a high demand, um, yeah, it doesn't take a genius and, to see what that what yeah. that will do to the price. There, there and on top of that, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ted. On top Dan, of you, that, you want to go? Oh, no, go ahead. On, on top, top of that, that there's a there's a lot of bitcoins lost in wallets, lost on exchanges, or fraud cases, or just people losing their keys. And so the the supply of bitcoins is actually even smaller than what was original, like what was originally uh, created. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is uh, Don Don was saying that, you know, you can't, it's not divisible. There's a finite uh, 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 amount, kind of like gold, kind of like gold. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> no, all I'm saying is the, the, the fiat currencies, you can make more. You can print more and more dollars. That's why something that's finite has more value and can't be manipulated as much, whether it's gold or Bitcoin, either one. I mean, I like, I like the premise. I like the idea. I like the idea a lot. All right. That was awesome, Ted. And and in full disclosure, we actually took positions in, in, in Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. They, this uh, volume, look how volume dried up here uh, late last week and early this week. It stopped at this 20 level. I'm showing the BITO chart because the charts of the new ETFs have only been around for a month now. Uh, but volume dried up. All the moving averages pinched together, and then on Wednesday, it broke above all the moving averages with a little bit of a pickup in volume, and then the last uh, two days, we've had multiple gaps. This is just, uh, O'Neill called it looking for familiar faces in a yearbook, and this is just a, a chart setup that we use all the time. Come off the bottom, go up, uh, pause for a little bit, volume dries up, and then explode out of that. Uh, little base. And as Ted pointed out here, you can see the big negative reversal on the sell the news the day all the Bitcoin ETFs uh, came to market. All right. Next up, uh, let's go to Connor. He's got, uh, he's going to dive into some small caps here. Connor, take it away. Yeah. Um, so this week was was one of the first weeks where we started to see minor outperformance of small caps, uh, specifically yesterday. And Don, if you pull up that first picture, um, it shows the half half year performance. So if you've been following the market, you clearly know that mid or lar mega large and mid cap stocks have been leading. And over the last uh, half year, uh, small micro nano caps are all red. So all the money's flown into the big caps, but yes, uh, Thursday, small caps outperformed. 
and that have not seen that in a while. So that's something worth keeping an eye on. And then that next chart, Don, I did a I did a performance chart for all the different various ETFs. And it's pretty clear that um, in that comparison chart, the S&P, uh, the NASDAQ, and um, actually FFTY is leading, but that index is price weighted. So you don't, we don't put as much emphasis on that, but um, that's due to the fact that the leader has been performing. But the real weak links in this is RSP, flat to negative on the year, uh, NASDAQ e equal weight, that's flat to negative on the year, and then MDY, mid caps, small caps, and ARC are all red on the year. And ARC, Tesla's a big uh, holding in the ARC fund, so that's a main driver for underperformance. But nevertheless, I mean, speculative growth stocks have not been performing well, and that's a lot of what Kathy Wood holds. And then um, SPYV, S&P growth, that's barely positive. So, um, What's the market telling us? I mean, the market's telling us that big funds and inst institutions are putting their money into uh, large cap stocks that have a lot of free cash flow and and you just have to follow the wave. You know, a lot of people complain about, oh, small caps can't get moving, this market sucks. Well, it's never the market's fault. You take what the market gives you and the market's giving us large caps, computer software, cybersecurity names, and that's what's been performing. But if we jump into some of the charts, Don, if you just pull up an RSP chart on MarketSmith. We, we talked about this the other day on one of our afternoon calls, but RSP has been underperforming and the chart looks all right, but the clear red flag is the relative strength line. I'll just wait till you get that up. Yeah. So, you know, the chart looks fine. It's forming a base, but the RS line is very alarming. It's gone straight down. And when you look at the price six, seven months back, look how much lower that RS line is. And what's that telling you? Well, this is hugely underperforming. But now what we want to see is, is if this can break out of this base, we're going to want to see RS line confirm and shoot back up. And the first place to start is that tool we use with the 21 day in the RS line. When that hooks back above, that can be a, a turning point for, for this area of the market. And then if you go to MDY, this is mid caps, very similar to RSP. Um, we'll just look at it real quick, but it's forming a nice little box based formation, but same theme, RS lines going straight down while price is consolidating. And that's not what you wanna see. So that, that might make us think that this consolidation base is more failure prone. And then IWM, we've talked about this chart a lot. We're, we're still watching to see if small caps can break out. For right now, it's, you know, the bottom of the range is 160. The top of the range is 200, 205. Um, so the moving averages are starting to get bunched together and starting to try and slope up. But I think 200 and 205 would be the price levels where, um, we could have some more conviction and think that this isn't a fake out because there's been plenty of them already and RS line's very weak. And then last chart, we'll just look at ARC. This was bought in Grotection yesterday and this had a really nice wedge pop back above the moving averages and specifically the 50 day. And one good thing to see that it's done differently versus MDY RSP is 
that RS line's getting back above the 21 day. And and although the RS line's been lagging, it's making that turn. And if Tesla can bounce, that's a big holding that would be positive for that. But so yeah, just to recap, I think uh, everyone's wondering when our small cap's gonna move. Um, our best bet is just gonna be following price and let price tell us. And um, you gotta find what's working in the market and clearly, Cybersecurity, Mag7, sem- semiconductor, software, computer. That's the leading groups right now. And like Don said, you want to get on that wave and ride it. But um, if, you know, if small caps can get into gear, that would improve the breath a lot. And I think there's a couple different scenarios that could play out is you could see the general indexes, the S&P and NASDAQ pull back and IWM get strength. You could see... If, IW, if IWM gets strength, that would just only strengthen the market even more. Or, you know, if the S&P and NASDAQ pull back, that could just make uh, small caps and mid caps even weaker. So those are kind of three scenarios that we're thinking about and watching. And, and as always, we're just going to let the price guide us in the right direction. Excellent. And you you mentioned uh, what you wanted to see on the small and mid caps was the relative strength line get back above. Uh, the 21-day exponential moving average of the relative strength line. And this is a new yeah. upgrade, a recent upgrade uh, to MarketSmith. And that's what we have here on this arc chart. The, the orange line is the 21-day exponential moving average of the relative strength line. And yesterday, and this was another reason why uh, we took a position in this, is not only did you have the wedge pop over the declining uh, tops trend line. You also had the relative strength line getting back above uh, that moving average. We um, these are some of the minute details that we focus on every chart that we uh, look at. And as Connor really correctly pointed out, you look at that chart of RSP, you think, man, that looks great. You know, that's uh, that's a fantastic looking chart. That's a great consolidation. Then look at the relative strength line, and it's cr- it's crap. Year to date, the S is up about between five and six percent, and this is up only a percent. And again, that's a that's a we're go- skate to where the puck is going, and and the puck right now is the big uh, anything related to AI or AI data centers or networking related. Uh, that's what's been working. We're always looking for what's starting to come back into favor that's been out of favor. So they won't dominate forever. That's one thing that we know is the market will always have regression to the mean. You never know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And it's these minute clues that we look for for uh, between strength and weakness and a combination of offensive and defensive selling that uh, is at the heart of our uh, process here at Revere. Great stuff, Connor. Thanks. Thanks. Going to go to Mike. Mike is going to make you hungry by talking about uh, some restaurant stocks. Take it away, Mike. Thanks, Don. Today, I want to present a case study and use Chipotle and McDonald's as examples of pricing power. So Chipotle, and this isn't to say that McDonald's doesn't have pricing power, but as I'm going to present today, you'll see that Chipotle may actually have a little more, and that's why the stock's reacting much more positively to to earnings than McDonald's. So you don't come across these businesses all the time, but there are a few times in your lifetime, really, that you you can find a business that can enormously raise their, their profits and their returns just by price increases. 
And a lot of times the companies haven't really maximized that yet and haven't done it to the potential that the market's willing to absorb those, those price increases. And by market, I mean the consumer. So as we've seen with Chipotle, I mean, Chipotle has been able to raise their prices beyond inflation and they have really good management that's able to keep their costs low. So all of that, all of that increase in revenue goes straight to the bottom line and increases their profits. And what's really interesting about Chipotle in their earnings call, the CEO said that the Chipotle brand is very strong and the value proposition is very strong. And we, we take, we have that pricing power to use. So they've identified that they've noticed, I mean, just, just uh, to give you some numbers too, they raised Chipotle raised prices by 12%. And in 2023, they raised prices another 5.2%. And just to show you how that affects their profits, their net income in 2022 on that 12% price increase was 37.7%. And then their profits in 2023 from a 5.2% increase were up 36.7%. And the reason for that is because they're raising their prices, but they're keeping their costs low and are managing. And there's other factors in there as well. But if they're able to, to maintain that operation and be super cost effective, they can continue raising prices and it just goes straight to the bottom line. Chipotle clearly has, has a lot more pricing power. You don't know how much they can keep raising prices. In my opinion, I think it's still a great value in terms of other options out there. $10 for a burrito is, is even cheaper than me going to the supermarket and making my own food. So as long as Chipotle can continue increasing their prices, they'll reach a limit where they're not able to do that anymore and consumers will push back as we're seeing with McDonald's. But for now, it seems to be seems to be going very well. Consumers are fine with it and they're, they're able to, to continue uh, raising at bottom line. So Chipotle is a very special case. If you find a business like that, it's, it's very rare, but they do come up every once in a while and all they have to do, it doesn't take a genius to just incrementally raise prices and, and benefit the, the earnings and, and the stock and earnings are what moves the stock. So as they continue increasing their earnings, the stock will follow. All right, Mike, listen, I appreciate that. Uh, folks, listen, Chipotle's burrito might be $10, but they're so dang big, I can cut it in half and that's two meals. So to me, it's it's $5 a meal because I'm getting two meals every time I eat at Chipotle because they're so big, but they are fresh and I do love it. And, and Mike's right. It's, it's a little bit more affluent clientele and they want healthy, fresh food and they make it fresh there every day. It's just not the fast food deal and it, it they do have pricing power by the way when they had that e coli outbreak they had a big scandal big problem and they got the yum brand ceo they brought him in and he has turned around that company and he has really made chipotle a a special um, situation in the restaurant business now here's a question i have for you the listener though because see the technicals are very important and it helps us break down when something's going to break out but you still want to try to pick the best of the best stocks. So like with the IDB methodologies, they look at revenue growth, earnings growth, and they just look at if it's increasing. Mike's doing a deep dive and a forensic analysis of the financial statements. And he knows that if they increase their price by just, uh, like he said, uh, 12% uh, earnings, profits go up by 39, 40%, whatever. I mean, that's almost a three for one increase. 
All right, that means they've covered all their variable, they've covered all their fixed costs, and they just have a few variable costs, and now they can use leverage. They are in, they have pricing power. They are a strong company. But you got to do the deep dive to know that their financials are that strong so that you can have them on your list and you know they're going to be one of the stocks so that when we get a confirmed breakout, we're already ready and we're a little bit ahead of the game because we always want the technicals to confirm the fundamentals. Mike's going to be doing a couple more of these, some other companies that he's found that look really good. He'll be talking about those over the next few weeks. So stay tuned. Don, do you have anything else with the markets, or is, are you ready for me to wrap it up? Nope. Ride the wave, and you can wrap it up. All right. That reminds me of that Beach Boy, uh, beach, beach ball, beach boy song, Catch a Wave, and You're Sitting on Top of the World. Well, that wave's going to dissipate pretty soon at some point. Could be two weeks, two months, or who knows, two years. How are you going to dismount that wave? Are you going to crash and burn? Or are you going to ride into shore intact? Folks, listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Uh, just send them up to revereasset.com. Up in the right-hand corner, there's a subscribe button. They can put in their email address and their name. We won't hassle them or reach out to them. It's up to them to reach out to us and we can uh, for a complimentary portfolio review or if they want a stock talked about on the air or whatever. There's also a contact button next to that that emails me directly. And speaking of email, you can email me at dan at revereasset.com or any of the team at don at revereasset.com Michael Tedder Connor at revereasset.com and you can always, always, always call us old school at 855 Real Wealth. Folks, we'll talk to you next week on your money. Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much of that you can keep. Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.